Good Evans. It's a Bobcast. Welcome to episode number 47. I'm your host, Bob Evans, but my friends call me Kevin Mitchell. Welcome to a brand new episode. Uh, this one, we're going to check back in with your friend of mine, regular guest friend of the Bobcast, our man on the ground in Sydney, Mr. Josh Pike, and do a little COVID-19 catch-up. The last one of these we did was all the way back in September last year, so I thought it would be good to check back in, see where everything is at, at now. Uh, you know, we're well and truly into 2021 and, and so much has happened um, in the meantime. So that's where we'll be going shortly. Uh, plus, at the end of the episode, I'll dig my hand into the old mailbag, uh, read out some of your letters uh, that, that have come through since Josh and I last spoke. And, you know, maybe Josh and I can answer some of your questions or just, just give our unsolicited opinions, you know, how all that stuff works. Uh, if you would like to email me, you can do so at goodevansbobcast at gmail.com. I almost said gmail.com. Uh, <laughs> you can find the soundtrack to this podcast on Spotify. It's a playlist called Good Evans. It's a Bobcast soundtrack. Uh, also, too, just a warning the following conversation is very much likely to involve some adult themes, probably some rude words. So, Listen to it with headphones on if you're around kids. That would be cool. Um, uh, just quickly to my new album, Tomorrowland. It comes out on April 16th. If you pre-order it, there are a stack of awesome prizes and incentives, including going into the draw to win a record player and a super rare test-pressing vinyl copy of Tomorrowland, which I shall also scribble my signature on, because I know how much people love that stuff. Um, through JB Hi-Fi, they're giving away guitar picks and signed slicks. Uh, so, yeah, just head to my website, bobevans.com.au, or visit my Facebook page or any of my social pages. The answers to all your questions and your prayers can be found uh, within those. Right, Josh, also... He has new stuff out, um, and we'll talk all about that as well. Um, so let's get stuck into episode 47, a COVID-19 special number seven with Josh Pike on Good Evans. It's a Bobcast. G'day, Josh. How you going, man? Good. How are you? That was some. That was some amazing uh, self promotion going on at the beginning. Yes. What's the good? What's the good of having your own podcast if you can't, you know, flog your own stuff? That's right. Yeah. And you know, look, you got to stick it in at the front just in case people don't make it to the end. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. But yeah, I'm. I'm well. I'm. I'm. I'm really good. Uh, you know, like I said, the record's only a few weeks away from coming out now, and. And as you and anybody who's been uh, listening to these podcasts over the last 12 months will, will be well aware of the uh, long, long gestation period that my album has uh, gone through. I think actually these podcasts with you that we've been doing since the pandemic started, which, you know, go, we're going back pretty much 12 months now, 
um, has kept a pretty good little sort of audio diary of 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 the kind of the 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 unusual journey that this record has taken in to to sort of finally come about. I'm sure when we first spoke um, last year, I was just uh, I had no idea what was going to happen. You know, I, I really didn't mm. know, and it was all very very murky. So to get 12 months down the track and now sort of you know have songs out and the records coming out and 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 there's sort of yeah some real clarity with all of that it's uh it's always exciting when a new record comes out as i'm sure you would feel the same way but there's something about this one for me that feels a little bit extra special because of all the challenges and you know all the hard work that has had to kind of go into making it happen yeah it's interesting with putting out records it's like um i mean it's probably the same with any any project, any creative project, but like, you know, you and I have been talking about, you know, our plans over the last year and a bit. Uh, well, it's, you know, pretty much a year, isn't it? Mm. March, March to March. That's right. Um, and there is that, you know, I remember talking to you about, you know, what you, what you were going to do with the record and if you were going to hold off or, you know, if you were going to start releasing singles. Mm. And it was all very much up in the air. And then at some point for you and definitely for me with, you know, with, with my new stuff, you just kind of hit on a plan and then it's just something solidifies and something just clarifies and then you, you're all just full steam ahead running and then you, next thing you know, you've got another album and you're like, you know, it's, a, it's a quite a magical and strange thing. Obviously, there's a lot of intention behind it, mm. but when you're doing it, it kind of seems like this piecemeal thing that just magically, you know, kind of accumulates into this, this uh, solid thing at the end of it. And it's, yeah, behind the scenes, there's a lot of moving parts. The other thing that I've sort of been reflecting on, you know, that I feel about this record, even though it's coming out in 2021, and you would um, be able to speak more to this than me because your record came out in 2020. But, you know, it just, it feels like um, COVID, this era, this year of COVID and what everybody's gone through, it just, it, it, in in so many ways it kind of defines things like um it's really it's it's been so overwhelming and and it's affected you know every facet of life to such an intense degree that it's really difficult for me to think of this record outside of covid if you know like I wonder, oh, absolutely. Is, and I mean, does that is that like you with Rome? Like, is that will that forever? Will you forever sort of think of that as like the the COVID album? You know? Yeah, I mean, and and you know, I'm putting out a another album, so I released my first single from the this new album uh, just last Friday to find um, happiness. Yes, and I plan to have the you know the album is slated for release. Uh, probably in August, so a similar time frame to last year. Yeah, wow. Uh, so definitely in my mind, these are like the COVID, the COVID twin records. Yes. You know? It's almost like a, a double album of COVID. Totally. Um, you know, and it was just, for me, it was like I was inspired by the response to Rome, which was just fantastic, particularly under the circumstances. Mm. But it was also just such a an emotionally fraught time, mm. and that's always when I'm most inspired to write. So I was like... You know, if you're inspired to write, just keep going and and get it out. I know I know that for my own personal well-being, I need to kind of get these things out in the world, um, or they just rattle around in my head until they come out one way or another. Anyway. So, did all your new songs on this record were they all written within the last twelve months or within that sort of? Uh, no, no, no. It was pro- probably 
probably 60% were written in the last year. Right. And the other ones were ones that I absolutely loved from the previous batch of songs. Right. But for whatever reason, they just didn't fit in. But, you know, To Find Happiness was one of the ones that I wrote uh, in the meantime. Um, and that was definitely a response to, you know, to everything that I've been going on. It's not a song about being happy. It's a song about, you know, reminding yourself of things that mm. can make you happy, um, you know, particularly in trying times, I guess. Now, this is These records are almost like your... Um your uh, folklore and what was the other Taylor Swift? You know, Taylor Swift put out two records during COVID. Oh, fuck that, man. <laughs> fuck. No. I, I like to think of it more as like my use your illusion one. And <laughs> but it is interesting to me, like, you know, um, turning around, you know, an album um, a year after the one before, um, you know, that in itself must feel like a, a pretty amazing accomplishment. It does, and I didn't need the fucking guy from the National or Bonnie Burr or you know, <laughs> Jack Antonov. I didn't need any of those. <laughs> I mean, granted, her album's probably way better than mine, but anyway. Um, no, I yeah, it was. It does that definitely does feel like an achievement, and it also for for me, and I'm sure you can relate to this. You know, in in music and in album cycles, that traditionally it's always been like, you know, you do an album and then you tour it for eighteen months, and then you might take. A, you know a year or six months off to write another record uh and sort of disappear in inverted commas and then you you start the cycle again and that was very much my life since mm. 2006 sort of thing yeah uh and this feels like a you know a, a sort of an, an an acknowledgement that that's not how you know it's not how i need to roll anymore yeah it's not how i want to roll i mean i don't i can't i, I would love to put an album out uh, you know, just whenever I can. If I had another album ready to go next year, I'd do another one. Yeah, just because I love it. You know, I love, I love the the, the process of making records. I love the process of of realizing these things in my head, as as I'm sure you do. And I love the idea that you know we sort of no longer have to subscribe to industry norms and you know yeah. historical norms. And you know, I don't, I'm not. I've never been into that. It, it really frustrates me. Yeah, I mean. Totally, I I think it's really great to kind of uh, f- sort of free yourself from that sort of uh, you know that cycle. Um, you know, I uh, and it's interesting the ways that that can play out. You know, for me, it means like I haven't felt the um, the need or the, or, the, or even the want to um, put out a record every two years because. You know, having done it for this amount of time and put out as many records as I have, like I'm, I'm far more interested in making a record when I feel like I've got something to add or something to say, exactly. rather than yeah. just doing it for the sake of making records. So that means, you know, um, the last few Bob records have had quite lengthy breaks in between. But what's interesting is for, that with you, you know, you you jumping off that cycle as well has um, had the opposite effect where and. It, Probably to do with resources too, because you're recording yourself now. You've got all that stuff set up, so mm. that that also allows you to kind of, um, you know, gives you a lot more freedom. I, I expect, but um, but yeah, with you, yeah. It's, it's meant that rather than having big gaps, you've just you know, banged out two records in two years. Yeah, I've, I mean, having the studio is incredible, and you know, I've been producing other artists as well, which is kind of like really honed my chops and love of production. Um, and I just I mixed this record up in Byron at 
the music farm with Wayne Connolly, who I did my first record yeah. with. So it was aw- awesome to work. Um, yes, back from a, a, a slight technical difficulty there. I look, we'll just kind of railroad the conversation because the technical difficulty did make me uh, hungry. Remember something quite funny that um, uh, you know people might <laughs> might like to hear about. So, like a few years ago, um, doing this podcast, I um, I did went to do one with um, a guy named Bob Murphy, who um, <laughs> yeah. for those who Follow AFL will will know he's you know uh, a very well known uh, ex captain of the Western Bulldogs um, had an amazing story when they won the grand final and he was injured anyway um, so you know we'd have met a couple of times in bloody airport lounges and stuff and followed each other on social media but we didn't really know each other very well um, weren't certainly you know weren't buddies or anything so in those situations always go into it a little bit a little bit nervous. Um, <laughs> and so we meet up in the office uh, in Melbourne, in the office uh, where my manager worked. And, oh, you, you um, met up in person, of, even this wasn't a yeah, like, yeah, we did in oh, person. Wow. Yeah, this is back going back a few years now. Um, and we set up and we start chatting, and um, you know we're probably well past the half hour mark. We're probably getting to the forty minute mark. We just cracked our first beers. You know, we're we're really <laughs> really starting to settle into it, right? And then I just glanced over to my little recording device. And it wasn't <laughs> because it had run out of fucking batteries oh, no. after about after about five minutes. And honestly, mate, like if I could have dug a hole mm. and crawled into it, I would have. It was so embarrassing. Yeah. And he he was so lovely about it. Um, he was willing to. Oh, you know, we'll just start again. I was like, oh, no, nah, you know, it, the magic's gone. <laughs> the magic's gone. <laughs> And I'm sure we will do it again, but we needed need years in, to, to in between just to kind of forget <laughs> what, all of that and be able to laugh about it. Oh, so um, you literally just call it. You called it. You were like, oh, "We can't. We can't go on." Nah, nah. I was just like, "Nah." <laughs> <laughs> did you did you at least hang out and like have have a couple of beers and hang out? Oh, uh, yeah, I think so from memory. But you know, I was incredibly flustered. <laughs> I mean, it must have been. It would have. It must have been so. Fu- I mean, he probably felt really sorry for me. I think because I was just like, "Fuck, fucking." <laughs> Do you know? I've I've known you for a long time now, and I, I can genuinely say I've never seen you flustered yeah well it happens it does happen um i've never seen you flustered you've seen me flustered for sure but i've like yeah you're more like a live long smoke bonk <laughs> less, less thinking more drinking type chill chill dude you taught me both those expressions did i really well well no. you definitely yeah you did i mean you did it with the like the chuck the shucker sign you looked at me with the shucker hand sign and you were like hey man less thinking more drinking yes. i was like man this guy is fucking cool no, that, no this guy's cool what what you weren't picking up on was the um heavy sense of irony and sarcasm oh, <laughs> oh man i took it as i took it as law that's how i've been living my life ever since you said that uh, well, back glad, in the day i'm glad it's worked for you shit shit <laughs> Hey, look. Um, let's uh, let's. Now's probably a good time. To, uh, we'll play a little bit of music. I want to play a little bit of your new song to find happiness. Oh, thank you. Um, as a segue into um, looking towards the future 
well of looking towards 2021 at least um and and touring and and gigs now that things are slowly starting to crank up and um yeah and and, and you know because that is a a, a a large part of where we both find our happiness isn't it josh from getting Great up segue, mate. getting on stage and <laughs> giving our all to it to giving it giving our all to the people that's right so we'll just do a little bit of this To find happiness, you must always seek the warmth in every sun. To find your love again, you must believe that there's a heart for everyone. And if you're sad today, well that's okay. So that's to find happiness. Uh, a little, little uh, smidge of uh, to find happiness. So it's quite a short song. So yeah. So why didn't you just play the whole song? Prob- I mean, probably, probably heard most of it then. Probably heard most. Of it. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I've got a couple of questions for you. If I could Please, uh, yeah, hijack yeah. your own podcast. No, I love it when people. So, a couple of things. I noticed recently you'd done a gig uh, just this uh, last weekend. A friend of mine texted me and said, "You're going to come see." Bob Evans at the the Great Club in Marrickville, which is just down the road from me. And I was like, what? I didn't know anything about this gig. And it was bucketing down, so I didn't go. But it was not a typical Bob Evans gig. It was a like a, a family-friendly gig. Mm. So Tell me about so it. So it's called Small Fry Rock. And this was a show that um, was literally days away from being announced when everything hit the fan, hit the, hit the fan last year, right? Ah. So. So they were just about to announce it in uh, March last year, and um, and of course didn't, and then had another go, sort of towards the end of last year when things were starting to open back up again, and then of course you know that didn't happen either because there were more lockdowns and blah blah blah. Mm. So this was kind of the third and fortunately final attempt at it. A, a whole year later, we finally got round to doing this gig, and yeah, it was fun. So. The, the concept, which I think is a really great concept, and I hope it, they they start to travel it beyond Sydney because it's the kind of thing that can obviously work anywhere. Um, but they, it's just basically they, they set up a daytime gig um, f- that is all ages and it's for, you know, uh, families, for people to bring their kids to. So it was like 12 o'clock or 1 o'clock in the afternoon or whatever. 
But, you know, it feels like a proper gig because um, it was in a proper venue and it was dark. The only difference was there were quite a lot of balloons. Um, <laughs> so was, but was it was it uh, did you augment your set or did you just play your no, normal set I just played my normal set and you know, yeah right tried, cool and tried to try not to swear and were there <laughs> were there many kids there yeah yeah there were heaps um, awesome I mean look probably you, look someone like you Josh would probably be, mm. be straight you you would have analysed stats you would have analysed yeah. the crowd and you would have been able to yeah. say exactly I'm going to say it was probably r- just from what I could tell, probably roughly like sixty percent adults, forty percent kids. That's interesting. That's very interesting because statistically, <laughs> Kev, um, people in the inner west have uh, two children. Right. So unless both parents were there and brought uh, an additional friend mm. who didn't have a kid, you'd expect it to be roughly fifty-fifty, if not seventy-thirty, in favour of children. Right. No. So I, I yeah, I, you know, I question. Adults. I question your data. I question well, your no, data. Well, I think. I think that there were people th- with that came that didn't have kids. It wasn't a prerequisite. Flou- you are fl- you are floundering here. Your data is not sound. No, it's good. There's- and, and, and no, and under cross examination, <laughs> you've. <laughs> I'm I'm sure that there were there was a portion of the audience. Let's call it twenty percent um, of uh, adults that uh, just came because they wanted to come to the gig uh, they, they weren't to get down. they weren't checking you for kids at the door and like kind of you know oh, okay, it wasn't right. like getting into a nightclub and trying to, and pre- when you're really drunk and pretending like you're sober and like but like turning up without any kids and them going and going where are your kids <laughs> oh they're, they're coming man. and then you just quickly sort of sneak in oh I think they're, I think they're just around the corner they're parking the car <laughs> this doesn't sound right yeah it wasn't um, it wasn't like that but it was fun it was really really good but what's the, what's the venue like because the great club is a, is a very new venue yeah. in Maricola I believe it's an old um, Greek wedding venue yeah. or something like that. Yeah, no, it's great. It's awesome. Um, awesome. It's so great. I mean, like any new venues, I, and I read a little write-up about it. It's the the people that used to run this really famous underground gig in Marrickville called the News Agency. It's it's them. Ah, oh, right. So they've, they've got a lot of experience with, with, you know, putting on great gigs and like they really know, you know, they know about that culture. So... Well, yeah, I'm excited. It sounds like a good good place to have it was, on, the, on the boil. It was very cool and, yeah, I'd can definitely recommend um, recommend it um, as a, a show you know that you that you would do and and it was obviously you know and, and you know we'll talk about this what gigs look like in twenty twenty one it was seated um, yeah spaced out um, and reduced capacities and you know I got to say as an aside to this Josh I, I do think there are a lot of <laughs> artists who are reveling reveling. In the this current state of uh, reduced capacities and shows just selling out in a second, right? <laughs> I mean, like I have not had this many sold out shows in years, mate. Like, <laughs> you know, it's actually it's actually true. I was I was chatting to um to Beck Sykes, uh, Beck Sykes, who's the last year's JP Partnership winner, was in Sydney last week, and we caught up. We'd never actually met. We'd spoken on the phone a bunch of times, but we'd never met. So she came over to the studio and she laid down some vocals on a on a new track of mine. And then we went and had lunch and um, she's a total legend, but she was saying how like in terms of those sort of capacity issues, it's been quite good for emerging artists because they can play like, so even a, even a venue like the, you know, the Wesleyan in Melbourne, which is, you know, 120 cap or something like that anyway, if you're an emerging artist and it's reduced capacity anyway, and you can pull 60 people, which, you know, you can 
pretty much do from fans and friends and family, mm. then you can you can post, you know, sold out on your gig posters and it's all part of the story that starts to build that kind of perception of success and, you know, gets things kind of rolling and, you know, get some industry uh, interest and stuff like that. So, yeah, it, it is kind of an interesting mm. scenario and it, it does provide a little opportunity um, for emerging artists that are gigging, gigging around at the moment. Yeah, and I mean, look, everybody loves to slap a uh, sold out, uh, you know, a sign over their uh, poster or whatever. Um, but I think there's also, um, aside from it just being about, you know, all about perception and stuff, I think there's a real aspect to it as well because you know if you sell out a show and there are people that can't come it just means that next time you play people are gonna um buy that you know get buy their tickets more quickly yeah all that sort of stuff really really helps you know yeah yeah um sure but yeah i mean the gigs that i and i'll ask you about gigs and stuff that you've got coming up um but the, the ones that i've got coming up you know it's a real interesting mix of stuff so after doing small fry um the next shows that i've got coming up um i'm doing the i'm doing two shows on the murray river on board a paddle steamer really um up in achuka yeah um Uh, this is as bob as bob as as bob yeah i think it'd be pretty difficult can i just interrupt you for one second please this is this is just a little aside yeah when i was typing your name into my phone to text you Mm. hey kev i said Mm. Kev autocorrected as Jeb. Interesting. What the fuck, man? Yeah, well, you know. I, I, I don't know what to fuck? say about that. I don't, know what's like, I don't know how that stuff works. It's like voodoo to me. It's it, like, is, it is. No, it, what it means is that. magic. Well, no, what it means <laughs> is that when you were 18, naming your band Jebediah after Jebediah Springfield. Yes. Uh, you know, I just Correct. know a little bit about you, a Ding. little bit about your band. I've read a, I've read a few interviews back in the day. Um, what it means is that somehow you have manifested the autocorrect algorithms, even from back then. Really? Yeah. I mean, I, I'm, not, I'm no sci- I'm no data scientist. Although, <laughs> no, I think you, know, you are. Not, I do like stats, but you know, no, a novice. But anyway, sorry, so, sorry. Go on. So, yeah, so Achuka, Achuka, doing these two shows on paddle steamers. Um, I, I don't know what capacity is. Um, they're both sold out. I'm assuming it's you know less than a hundred, right? Um, that that'll be brilliant. Yeah, that'll be, be beautiful. Yeah, it's great fun. It's, it's it's run by and you've played Riverboats Festival before, haven't you? Yeah, yeah. So it's run by the, those guys, and because they can't do the festival. The, obviously this year the way that they wanted to do it they, they're doing this instead so they're doing a bunch of these gigs on paddle steamers Jen Clover's doing they've all sold out Jen Clover's doing doing it um, Henry Waggins is doing it as well um, so that'll be fun and and a couple of days before that I'm pl- I'm supporting the church in oh, yeah, I saw St that. Kilda in this sort of park right near the Palais Theatre so it'll be an outdoor gig I've got no idea what I'm, I'm assuming I don't even know if it's seated or standing. Um, I mean, things are changing pretty rapidly here in, Vic- they sure in Victoria. Are, yeah. I mean, well, the, we, on Friday, no more mandatory mask wearing anywhere. And I can't... It's been so long since we've been wearing masks in, like, shopping centres and stuff like that here. I can't even remember when that started, but it feels like a long time. So I'm really looking forward to just being able to leave the house. Or yeah, I'm really looking but- forward to getting to the shops... Getting out of my car, walking into the shops, and then suddenly going, "Oh fuck! I forgot my mask," and having to drive. Yeah, back yeah. 
But you know, I, I've got to say, like having being at you know, it's a, a singer as you are as well. You know, our worst enemy is getting a cold or a sore throat mm. or whatever. And you know, all all um, all obvious COVID uh, illness and dangers aside, I haven't even had a cold for a year because I've yeah. been wearing a mask everywhere. You know what I mean? Like, and so I'm actually thinking that I'm going to probably maintain this mask thing because. You know, I can't as a touring artist when you know when that all kicks off again, it's it's a real drag trying to tour with with a cold and whatnot because it affects your performance. So I think I'm just going to actually roll with the mask wearing for the foreseeable future, particularly on planes and public transport and you know crowded areas. Yeah, I reckon I reckon you get away with it now. Like if you'd have done that before COVID, you would have come off as like a real pretentious twat. Like you thought, well, you would have come off like Michael Jackson. <laughs> T- yeah. turns, turns out he was right. I was going to say Kanye, but yeah, you know. Well, it turns out they're both right. <laughs> about some things, not about others. <laughs> and then the other one that's, um, that's, still, uh, that's still, you know, for sale, that's still happening, um, but I'm really not sure how this is going to work out. So um, this is another thing that's been postponed and postponed and postponed since last year, and it's these uh, a couple of Neil Young tribute shows. Um, oh. In Melbourne and Sydney, with but the, but the interesting thing about this one is it's a New Zealand-based production company that are putting on the gig. So they they've been doing it oh, in New wow. Zealand. It's been really successful. They wanted to bring it to Australia and invite a couple of locals to um, sing. And so there was me and I think Phil Jamison and Sarah McLeod. And so obviously it's, it's, uh, the, 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 there's a particular market that they're going for there. But um, but because what, hang on, what, what, what does that mean? Oh, well, because we're that? all from the same, you know, we all come from the you know nineties thing, you know. Um, oh, okay. I think John Toogood is involved as well, obviously, <laughs> uh, being a Kiwi. But um, um, oh, you know, that makes sense. But because it's a New Zealand-based production, the, uh, the rehearsals before the gigs were actually uh, happening in Auckland. Oh, that's going to be awesome! But but I mean, this is supposed to be happening in May, and uh. like. Yeah, you still, we still don't have the travel bubble. I'm not sure what's happening with all of that. Yeah, like I was, I mean, that was a big part of the appeal of doing these shows for me was like, oh, I get to go to New Zealand for a few days. You know? Yeah, and rehearsal, it's like, you know, you do it during the day or whatever, but then you get the night off. Yeah, hang out in New Zealand. Go hang out in, yeah. And then we started K-Road. thinking, oh, we'll, I'll bring the family over and we'll, Absolutely. you know, yeah, have a holiday on the cheap. Um, but obviously not thinking about doing that now but um but yeah so that's- what about these other shows these, these other shows i was in byron when i was mixing the record the the studio tech was a wonderful and lovely guy that you would know called Derek from scream feeder mm. and he was saying that you guys are playing these spring loaded yeah. shows as well yeah with jebs which is like it is essentially my dream gig from when i was like 18 years it's like old. a mini home bake a mini home bake from 1998 it's fucking incredible <laughs> It's an incredible lineup, but um, it's the lineups vary from gig to gig, so you don't get. So, for anyone listening that is, you know, interested in these shows and getting a ticket, I, I just urge you before you get your ticket, make sure you look at who's playing at your particular date because the lineups do change. Not all bands are can, playing at all shows. Can you put me on the door for the Sydney show? Yeah, absolutely, I can. Absolutely. Sweet, that's on, come on, that's on record. You should now. come on stage and. You know, oh fuck yeah, man! Sing I um, that. what what Jebediah song would you want to do, Josh? If you oh, there's so many, there's so many. <laughs> I, like um, oh, there are. You know, you know, I'm a huge fan. Um, oh, I think um, I mean, what's the one? 
you know, I can't, I can't think of them, any of them, just at the moment. Gotta say, not, do, not sounding do. like a huge fan right now. No, Josh, you know what? Say. I love them all. <laughs> I love them all. Um, but I can't think of any of them off the top of my head, okay, well, apart from Harp, Harpoon and Leaving Home, which I don't want to do because you know that's a bit too cliche. I want to do like a deep. I want to do a deep, deep cut. Deep cut yeah. I'll tell you what. What's the last the this, the last track on the album? Uh, before the one that you did independently and it's got the like really orchestral outro long outro and it's kind of it's quite a lot like a blur kind of brit poppy kind of um it's well we've only ever done one song with an orchestra and that's called run of the company yes run of the company i love that song we haven't played that that was the final we haven't played that one for a while (laughs) run of the company (laughs) yeah it's great track But anyway, that's a kind of snapshot of the stuff that I've got coming up over the next couple of months. What I mean, hey, can I just can I, can I just say we yep. should do a separate podcast, okay. <laughs> where it's just you, you and me, just me talking to you about Jebediah, okay, and singing singing songs back at you. Okay, well, about- ha- how about this? How about this? We we do we we set up a a, a brand new podcast, right? But it's it's <laughs> but it but, but it has a limited. We we limit it. It's not just an ongoing thing, right? But what we do is um, <laughs> each episode is um, we we just focus on an album per episode. So there's five but one of one of your albums <laughs> per episode. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Fuck yeah, I'd love that. I would love that. And then I could tell you, and I, it could be like a discussion about like where I was at during that period in in your life, yeah. basically. And I'd be like, oh yeah, because I, I remember there's like literally. This is how big a fan I am. I remember the first time I heard um, "Wasted" or whatever that song is called. Yeah, Wasted, you're not too good with the titles, Josh. That's called jerks of attention. Yeah, I don't. I am not good with titles. That's true. But I remember I was driving home in my parents' Ford Falcon station wagon around the back streets of Balmain on the way home from my friend Dan's house, and I had smoked a cheeky little spliff, yeah, and I was I like, know. "Oh, this song is dope." Uh, it was on Triple J, and it was like one of the first things. And then I saw you guys play at the Uni Band Comp winners gig at the Annandale. Yes, seventy eight Saab. I remember that gig. Yep. And I and I saw Vanessa out in the street and I was like, oh, that was really good. I was like, fuck, these guys are like the best band ever. So there you go. I'm a huge fan, man. Huge fan. No, no, no fucking jokes. No jokes here. I remember that show. It was at the Annandale. And, um, yes, that's right. And it was us and 78 Sub and there was another, it was a third band. And apologies, I can't remember who they were. This was going back to 1995 or 6? 96 probably. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. So long First time year uni. So... And yes, my memory of that gig is after it, there was hardly anyone there, right? It was like, uh, yeah. you know, it was like, I don't know how many people, 20 people, 30 people. Just for, just for true fans, true fans, um, man. true fans. And at the end of the gig, so it was just the four of us, too. we didn't have a sound guy or a tour manager or anybody, it was just the four of us. And so I was kind of the de facto kind of person at the end of the gig that had to, you know, take care of whatever business stuff there was to do. And I remember being i it was me uh, someone from 78 sub someone from the other band and the sound guy right so there's four of us and the uh annandale handed me 300 dollars. it was like this is the total takings from the show <clears throat> and i was like <clears throat> and i was standing in front of those guys with this with these 300 dollars notes in my hand and i was i had no idea what to do and i just I said, oh, fuck I just gave a hundred bucks to the sound guy, a hundred bucks to seven a hundred bucks to the other man, and just was like, let's just fucking call it 
call it a night. And that, was, oh. that was, which is, I mean, I'm not telling that story to kind of, you know, um, uh, try and make myself look good or anything. It's more just a reflection of the fact that, like, I didn't, I had no idea what to do. It was such a, it, it, there was so few people there and such a small amount. And I was like, well, standing in front of these guys going, well, fuck, what? I got. They've all got to get paid. I've got three hundred dollar notes. Yeah, but they they're both from Sydney. You you were from Perth. Why didn't you Why didn't you say, you know, I, we just spent like three thousand dollars getting over here. <laughs> well, I doubt it would have been that much, but I mean, oh, look, you should have yeah. said no. You should have what you should have done. And if I'd been there, if I'd been your mate, then I would have stepped in with the stats, and I would have said, <laughs> the the sound guy needs to get paid. Here's a hundred dollars. The three of us will split the two hundred dollars between three. <laughs> two thirds of three hundred is something else. I don't know. But do you also remember that gig? Seventy eight subs smashed their fucking equipment up on stage. Uh, no, I don't remember that. I was. I, it was it was bizarre. Like I remember watching it and Nashi, who I became good mates with later because we we're on the same label, Ivy League, and um, and he and I, at the time I thought it was just because they were really successful in rock and roll and they could just smash their equipment. But, but yeah. I found out later it was just because he was like. His guitar kept on um, cutting out and he was just so frustrated that he legitimately just lost his shit and smashed his guitar. But at the time, I was like, this is the most amazing thing I've ever seen. There's like 30 (laughs) people in the crowd on like a Sunday at the Annandale and this dude is smashing his guitar up. I was like, this is is the greatest thing ever. Well, Uh, hopefully the $100 I gave him uh, went towards... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah. Um, so ah, yeah. Good, so what, good times. What um. What does what does the year look like in terms of gigs for you? So I am going to actually do a Jebediah, um, <laughs> Kev Mitchell tribute show. Oh, I've been um, waiting for this. Starting in yeah in uh, in July. Are you going to um, do it in character, like theatre, like? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'll be performing <laughs> as Kev Mitchell. It'll be like um, um, John Waters doing, uh, you know, looking through a glass onion, where he. Yeah, um, um, exactly. I'm going to do it every year, and 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 I'm just. Gonna, <laughs> that's yeah, and 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 I'm actually going to perform as all the other members of your band as well. Oh, so wow. Chris, Vanessa, your brother, whose name I've forgotten at the moment, but Brett. Um, you know, um, Brett. it's 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 funny though because if you were actually to go through with that, people. <laughs> That, like I'm not saying a lot of people would come, but there would some people would. Some people would it's, come. It's abst- I would but, come. Uh, I'd my, come. I guess my question is: Would it be at like a comedy festival, or would it be a genuine <laughs> tribute show? Because um, like me acting as you, I mean that's absurd enough. It's like a fucking it Auntie Donna ridiculous s- segment. You know, yeah. it's ridi- it's absurdist. Anyway. Um, real gigs. I do have some gigs coming up. I'm actually announcing a tour. On the 31st of March, so week after next, is it? or No, next week, end of next week. Um, so I do have gigs coming up, which I'm really excited about. It'll be, yeah, same, same thing as as everybody. We're kind of, we all have to tread carefully. So we're kind of, I've, you know, I, I wasn't able to honor any of the shows that I had booked last year apart from the New South Wales ones. Mm. So I'm definitely getting back out to all the places in, in Melbourne and Queensland and, Adelaide, uh, you know, South Australia and, Perth that I wasn't able to get to um, but again we just you know it's such a moving target we don't know if capacities are going to stay as they are or if they're going to increase or decrease yeah so I'm, I'm sticking to solo shows and I've I'm trying to I'm basically trying to do the most achievable shows so I'm booking you know smaller venues with an opportunity to do multiples right. or expand the capacity but basically you know assume that they're going to be at the capacity that they're set at now. Yeah. 
and and just kind of uh, yeah. try for that. Yeah, because I'm desperate to play, man. I'm fucking desperate to play. And you'll be, it'll be like, you know, like you said, you were only able to sort of tour within your state. So when you tour this next record, you're kind of, if you get around Australia, kind of be touring both records in a way, won't you? In a way, yeah. Well, by the time the tour will actually happen, I will have done. Uh, two or three singles from the new record or focus tracks, whatever you want to call them these days. Um, so, yeah, there'll be at least three new new songs. Um, do you, and then, you know, Rome is pretty new for, for people still as well. Do you have, like, shells and shells and shells of Rome merchandise that you were going to sell on tour but didn't get to, you couldn't get yeah. to sell? <laughs> a little bit, yeah. We're not, we're not, um, we're not even, we're not going to do new merch. We're just going to keep, plowing through that because yeah as you say i was you know we we had i mean i had sold something like four thousand tickets to that tour so we'd we'd you know manufactured merch accordingly and then then i was only able to play to like half that amount in new south wales which is still awesome i'm not complaining but um obviously yeah we've still got some boxes of merch (laughs) 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 so so, i'm going back to you you um on the same weekend that I played Small Fry, I think it was the day before or something, um, you had a gig locally in Sydney that was um, oh, outdoors. God. So run us through that because, uh, you know, I, I, oh. I don't, I in no way mean to, um, you know, find comedy at your expense, <laughs> but I just I just saw your Instagram posts, uh, you know, the before and after, and I, oh. you know, I just thought, oh, fucking hell, like, really? I mean, it's like... COVID has made playing shows hard enough. You know, we yeah, no. we don't need a fucking one in a thirty year or forty year. Um, you know, fifty we- year apparently weather generational event. <laughs> weather event. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I, I was so fired up for this gig. It was sold out. Like it, it's a beautiful space, um, right in the middle of the city. Uh, you know, the, they'd set it up. It was just stunning. And I got there and I was, I was really excited and I'd checked in, you know, multiple times during the day. Is it, is it going ahead? Is it going ahead? And they're like, yep, look, they say it's 100% going ahead. Um, they tell everybody to bring ponchos and stuff. Um, so, you know, it's, it's all go. So I got there and I did sound check and everything. and It was sounding great. I was like so stoked to be on a proper big stage with a, like a proper, you know, side of stage sound guy. The front of house was, you know, 150 meters up the back of the, the venue. It was just fantastic i was having these great chats with all these crew guys that i hadn't seen for you know two two years kind of thing uh and then and you made a would, you made a little video to put on this oh yeah like, i made a video gig yeah, is happening. Made a video saying yeah 100 percent. it's all going ahead i've been told that no matter what no matter what no matter what happens i will be playing you can count on me and then <laughs> i got there uh, and we we left me and my uh, guitar tech Steve that you you know well yes. as well. We we left the site to go buy some guitar strings, and we were <laughs> driving around, and um, got a call from Gareth, the the front of house guy, and he was like, uh, "Look, you might as well just park and chill for ten minutes because the city of Sydney people, because it was a council show, have uh, they're inspecting the site, and it doesn't look like it's going to go ahead." And I was like, "Oh, come on, no." Anyway, so it turns out that if there was lightning within 14 kilometers of the venue and a certain reading of, of um, you know, mill- milliliter reading of, of rain, they just, by law, they have to cancel it. Mm. So they had to cancel it. So I had to come back to the venue and do another, you know, very sad uh, <laughs> after video saying it's it's no longer, I spoke too soon. Um, 
And it was bizarre because it was like, I'd just seen all these people. We were all fired up. We were saying like, oh, this is amazing to be playing a show. And then it was literally like, oh, good catching up. Um, <laughs> catch you later. Oh, God. And I, I went home and I was home in time to have dinner with my kids. And, uh, you know, and I, I did a quick Instagram live set, which was fun. But beyond that, I was like, you know, watching Netflix and having a glass of whiskey by you know, eight o'clock kind of thing. So it was like, it was very sad. Yeah. And you know, the worst part to add insult to injury, my wife and I had tickets to the All Our Exes Live in Texas show, which at the same venue the next night. Ah. Huge fans of the band and, you know, know the band well. Super, never seen them live though. I was so keen. So we, we went there and it was bucketing down before we got there. And I was like, oh no, surely the, the show's going to be canceled. And I texted Alana in the band. I was like, is it going ahead? And she's like, yeah, I'm told 100%, 100% going ahead. I was like, okay. So we went in and sat down and it literally, the skies oh, opened shit. up and cleared. Oh, what? While you well, were sitting it, out? <laughs> no, it just, it was a clear night sky. I could see the stars oh. for, the, for, the, for the whole set. And then we got back in the car to drive home and it started pouring again. Uh, I was like, oh, come on. Yeah. Oh, it, well, was, you, it was quite brutal. You, you must have just, be, oh, I can just imagine you, Pagi, just being like, pull over, get out of the car, shake yeah, your shake my fist, fist at the, the air and just say, and you, you, know, you know what? At, at the gig, when I was just, you know, I, we were, we'd got good tickets. We loved the band. Second row, you know, weren't on the door or anything. We bought the tickets. Um, and halfway through the set, they were like, oh, you know, I'm, we're so lucky to be playing. It's, you know, great that the weather's held out. You know, some of our friends have had their gigs cancelled here. And then I don't know if they knew I was in the crowd and they're like, you know, Josh Pike's gig got cancelled, but, you know, sucked in, Pikey. <laughs> He's played enough gigs. And then it was just all four of them suddenly piled on. They were like, oh, yeah, don't worry about Pikey. He's played enough gigs in his life. Forget him. Ah, <laughs> sucked in, Pikey. I was like, fucking hell. <laughs> what, what is going on? <laughs> <laughs> oh my god oh, oh. i was just like i literally put my head in my hands i was just like oh my god i got i, I got nothing i got nothing oh. and, and as you were leaving you stubbed your toe and that was yeah it. yeah and then i and then i got a parking your, ticket your, no, the back of your pants ripped and they fell down oh. yeah 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 <laughs> <laughs> all right um let's oh. uh let's move on uh, have a quick chat about um uh, you know, uh, stuff about the job keeper is uh, ended, and, oh, yeah. and, and all the sort of um, you know political and regulation kind of stuff. Um, I thought maybe to go into it, we could listen to um, this song I love by Bally Drum Boy called "Disillusion" because you know it feels like the government's breaking up with me, breaking up with me, George. <laughs> yeah. All right, so we'll come back yeah. up to this. Didn't mean to fall in love 
in pursuit of the perfect people Oh, and I can see this shows But that's just an innocence in you I want to ring out I know it could be beautiful But I don't want to part of some situation I don't want to be in that Yes, yes, I was um, fortunate enough to qualify. Yes. Um, so I know that uh, Scott Morrison, uh, or ScoMo, as he likes to be referred to, um, I think, for, for <laughs> some reason, um, uh, I know he's met with a, a, a small delegation of music managers and um, they've discussed possible future funding, how that might look. I think that, you know, I think what they're going to try and pitch is, to the government that is, um, is is kind of like a grant sort of system where you apply for work, uh, you 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 apply for money for future based projects um, uh, as a way to support uh, the industry. And uh, you know, uh, from my perspective, my feeling is that the the focus at this point in time really needs to be on the um, technical crew. Uh, mm. Like your lighting guys, your sound guys, your guitar techs, all of those people—the people, the staging people—and um, you, you sort of you gr- that that broad spectrum of grassroots musicians um, who are probably have been left out the most in terms of you know a lot of those guys and girls um, haven't necessarily had the. Um, you, like their business isn't necessarily may not have been set up as a company or whatever they probably have never even got job keeper perhaps um the nature of their work is such that they may have missed out and and if we lose those people then the industry is going to be absolutely gutted from the from the ground up yeah what do you what do you reckon about all that yeah i think you're you're absolutely right i mean people like us you know at our level, we can kind of agitate for change and we have a profile and a platform to to kind of vocalize these things. But the people that really need the help, even like we can still go out and play gigs to a degree, right? I mean, there was a period where we literally couldn't. Yeah. But that period at this point is over. But what's not over is, uh, you know, the fact that there are far, far fewer gigs and there's therefore far, far fewer gigs to go around out of a pool of, you know, a pretty big pool of of um, venue workers just, and yeah. techs and production people, like you're saying. So, and they they can't just put on a show, like they can't, or or do a live stream event or start selling merch or you know, like there are, are other ways that the musicians can do things. I'm not saying we don't need the help, we do, but I do agree that you know, JobKeeper versus grants for future projects is not really applicable to people like that. Mm. So, JobKeeper works for them because it's a it's a wage every week that they can rely on until shit gets better, you know? And you have to qualify for it. You have to be eligible for it. You can't really scam it. Um, so, you know, there have been, you know, it's been reported about 
all the companies that made huge profits over oh. the last twelve months that have. Um, and now they, they you know, there's they owe back, you know, tens of million, you know, I don't know the numbers, but many, many millions of dollars back to the government, and they've only paid back a small amount. And we're talking about yeah. big corporations. I know, and that's really always well the, at, and it's that sort of, you know, you see that stuff happen, and it fucking stinks. And also, too, it happens all the time, I'm, though. It's like while it's I'm a, on a roll Trump... here, Josh. While I'm on oh a yeah, roll, go for it. Yeah, yeah, go. You know, you know how much I love AFL. Um, but you know, seeing, uh, and I, I loved watching this weekend, uh, football and seeing 50,000 people at the MCG. Apparently it's going to be 75,000 people this weekend. Um, so it just, you know, it, it, I, I had an interview actually recently with, a, uh, the Australian newspaper, which is going to come out in a few weeks time. But, um, um, and I talked about how, um, when I heard about, this you know 50,000 people that they were going to have at the MCG for the footy you know what my first reaction my the first thought that got into my head was like geez I really hope that 50,000 people going to the footy doesn't cause some kind of event that then negates my ability to play to a fucking hundred people at a a pub this week you know because yeah and, and I think that's the frustration that there is for people in the music industry and venues particularly venues can't operate at a profit when the restrictions are so harsh um, mm. and then you just look at other industries that are allowed to um, gather have you know people gather in such huge numbers and it, it is frustrating and hard to understand why there is such a yeah. difference you know it is and I mean I, I read something on Claire Bodich's, uh Instagram feed today saying that the you know the musical theater performance Hamilton is back at 100% capacity um and i just what how does that not apply to gigs like if it's mm. a seated gig but you can have 100% capacity at a seated gig yeah i mean that's that's immeasurably better than than what we've had mm. I, yeah I, it does seem i don't know we always just seem to be at the bottom of the rung and it's it's very unfair because I mean, it's 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 easy to understand when you realise what's going on politically in terms of you know um, coverage of and and you know the media's involvement, the media's pushing of sporting events to be uh, to to be back up and running through with politicians because um, broadcast rights and everything are so valuable to sporting. Uh, you know what I'm trying to say. It's media, sporting media companies, and those same media companies also have the most political sway because they're the ones that give the coverage to politicians mm. when they are in power or running for power. Yeah. We know how that all works. That was poorly explained, but you get the drift. <laughs> Whereas musicians, we don't we don't have that kind of leverage to offer. We're just, you know, we're not politically aligned, and it's not like, you know, maybe if we all said, okay, we're gonna bloody give a like five minute speech at the beginning of every gig saying how great the liberal government is or how great the new south wales government is maybe we'd get our capacities increased maybe that's a tactic we can use just lie does does the music industry need to fund a fucking lobbyist that just you know that's who's who's we've got them man that we've got them that's that's what you know that's what like aria i mean sorry yeah aria and apra and ppca you know as i've mentioned many times i'm on the board of ppca and essentially the majority of what we do there is lobby uh politicians to try and improve things in the music industry that's 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 what 
you know, particularly APRA and PPCA do, and, you know, as well as Music New South Wales and Music Victoria and all that kind of stuff. But, um, yeah, we've got, we've got them. It's just that, and, and I know this intimately from, from you know, from being involved, that it's just, it's very difficult to get, you know, musicians and creatives uh, issues up that high on the agenda of things that politicians are looking at. Yeah, I, I can, unfortunately, it saddens me to say this, but there's only two kind of conclusions that I can come to with this. Um, one is that there's just a level of ignorance um, within Parliament, but also probably mainstream Australia, as to just how much money and, and how good for the economy, how much money is generated by the live music industry and how good for the economy the live music industry is, um, that it is on par with other significant industries like you know, sports and tourism and stuff like that. It's it's on par with the airline industry. I mean, this this is the thing, like... It's on par with the the huge industries that were massively subsidised by the government, and 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 it's it shouldn't be a secret because yeah. APRA and PBCA in particular, you know, lobbied together on the behalf of the music industry and provided like full on statistics, yeah. which of course I loved. Of, um, <laughs> no, but I mean, I, exa- I saw, I read that stuff. I've seen that stuff. I yeah. mean, you're right. Like it's 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 come across. It's my. It's been in front of my eyes. I'm sure it's been in front of. You know, millions of people's eyes, but but the, well, it's but definitely in front of all, all all the politicians' eyes. It's just that it what we don't have is is that sway of like, okay, well, if we don't put on these gigs, um, nobody's you know we we can't leverage and say, well, if you're not going to give us gigs, we're not going to support your party and and give coverage to your party. Whereas media companies who have the broadcast rights for sporting events can do that. Yeah. That's the bottom line. Yeah, that was, that was a far more succinct explanation. Than I was <laughs> well done. Well, yeah, <laughs> you just edit the other shit out. Uh, um, but yeah, I mean, it, there there is a you know, unfortunately, a, a feeling that um, you know perhaps the the arts industry as a whole, and and this has kind of been fairly laid bare for a, well before the pandemic hit when. The you know the the arts portfolio was uh, you know bundled in with fucking transport and some other stuff. There is form there, and you know I'm going to go on a leftist little fucking rant here. <laughs> and if you don't like you... it, and it's my fucking podcast, so you know it doesn't matter. <laughs> but I mean, there's just I just feel like there's just not a um, there's just not a priority. The li- the arts in general and the live music industry is a very significant portion of that is just not seen as valuable enough to be made a priority yeah that's right it's it's frustrating because we've no matter how many times we prove that the economic value is you know however you want to define it but it's equal to or 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 potentially even more uh valuable than the cultural value because that's the language they understand right they understand the language yeah so that that's yeah so we've come a long way in explaining this stuff yeah because you know that's what that's what the you know the industry behind the scenes has been trying to do is present the music industry as a professional yeah. contributor to the GDP and all that kind of stuff. So we've come a long way, but but it it is that leveraging thing. It's 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 like you know why why did the government give fifty million dollars to Foxtel when mm, they are a man. private company that yeah 
you know, is a subscription-based company anyway. That wasn't like wasn't in a great deal of trouble. They gave twenty million dollars to the uh, music industry. You know what I mean? Like yeah. that. It's pretty obvious why, right? Fox News covers a lot of you know yeah. po- political stuff and particularly right-wing political stuff. It's not. That's it's pretty transparent. Yeah, I agree. Um, the vaccine rollout is the last little bit on this. I want to want to touch on obviously that is starting to happen i hear that we're falling well below what the targets were in terms of getting people vaccinated it looks like um we're you know we're going to be deep into probably not until the end of the year until we have a sort of majority of the population vaccinated and it seems like that now is it's important because, like, we, it, I get the sense that, you know, in terms of community transmission, there's pretty much nothing going on. And that, for the last month, it's all across Australia has been pretty good. So it's our, our Achilles heel is our um, uh, overseas uh, arrivals. Um, uh, mm. You know, that's where the, the real sort of um, where we're vulnerable. And I suppose the vax, yeah, the vaccine is the kind of last thing that can kind of, help with that but yeah apparently it's taken a lot longer than what they had planned yeah but we are we are in a very good position i mean i you know as much as i lament various aspects of of australia and australian culture and politics and everything i've never been more grateful um to be an australian to be living in australia than in the last couple of years i mean just you look at the stats. We, we've had twenty nine, something like twenty nine thousand or thirty thousand cases total. Yeah, you know, like something I don't know exactly, but it's something like nine hundred deaths, and you know, and the worldwide cases is like over a hundred million. Where it's just it's just a drop in the ocean, and we, I, I don't even know if we have any active cases at the moment. I don't I think it's yeah. uh, actually I can. We probably look it up. If we do, they're in hotel quarantine. Yeah, so I'm looking at the daily change site now. And on the 22nd of March, we have 10, 10 new cases and the seven-day average is 11. Now, that that is like uh, – that's a lot for Australia. Like there have been periods where it's like, you know, these donut days or whatever. Um, but gosh, con- compared to the rest of the world, yeah. we're just – like I, I when I was in Byron, like I said, f- mixing this record – like there's a sort of joke amongst Byronites, all the all the um, hippies up in Byron. They're like, "Oh, it just didn't really ever happen here. Yeah, it just didn't happen." No, well, they would, and that yeah. nobody was wearing nobody was wearing masks. Like it was just it was as though nothing had ever happened. It was just crazy. There would be many regional parts of Australia that would probably have had that same experience. Even major cities like Perth, who are isolated, you know, geographically isolated enough to to be in the same boat where yeah i mean they haven't really um so yes look i absolutely agree 100 percent. we we have been incredibly fortunate i'm so glad that i'm in australia um during all of this um and yeah you know we are we are very privileged to even be to even be talking about you know being able to sort of get back to work and all that kind of stuff you know because there are other parts of the world that are I've had a horrendous time. Um, all right. I don't reckon just to finish off, I did want to sort of dig into the mailbag so we could um, um, 
you know, just see what's in there and um, uh, get some free content from our uh, listeners. So, um, <laughs> so to get us there, to get us there, we're going to listen to uh, a bit of Soundgarden. Uh, yes. on Mailman. deep into the bag. I should have had a prop. Looking around, I can't find anything. Just, just imagine some swishing noises. Um, here you go. Here's some swishing. All right. Deep, digging deep into the, <laughs> into the mail bag. And oh, I found one. I found one. This uh, this is going back a little while to um, since we last spoke. So we last spoke in September. Um, uh, Helena or Helena... Um, Hi Kev, hope you're well. A couple of thoughts to share. One, I'm rationing the podcast into roughly 20-minute increments to make them last longer. They are really Aww. great. Um, two, I know I, I love how she's uh, you know she's gone point one, point two. It's very succinct mm. and clear. I know the music industry is really hurting right now. I think that you will all be completely overwhelmed with work every night of the week once we can get back to almost normal. Um, not, that's not to suggest that the government should be doing better to support you. Um, I will never take live music or comedy for granted again. And look, I think that's a sentiment that's probably held by lots of people. I certainly feel that way going into shows and certainly with the album coming out and, and, and announcing like a proper tour, um, I, I just know it's going to feel different. It, there's going to be a greater mm. level. I mean, you, you, you sort of got a sense of this last year because like you said earlier, you, you got to play a bunch of shows in New South Wales and... Um, how did what was was there a greater sense then back then of like oh my god gigs are happening I can't believe yeah it was awesome it was like it was like that you know that feeling of playing a regional show and everyone's just super grateful because people don't yeah. always get to their town yeah it was like that it was like that everywhere yeah yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. so it's been, there's been many times where uh, you know 
Yeah, drunken post kick conversations with uh, people, someone in you know in Wagga or uh, you know a, a regional town where they just go, oh, no one ever comes here. You know, it's awesome. They love it. Um, <laughs> all right, uh, James. James, hi Kevin. Uh, just got a question for your podcast. I saw a film called Yesterday. Have you seen this movie? Oh yeah. Have you seen this movie? Me? Yeah. No, I haven't. I've seen the preview. I've seen the, I know the premise. Okay, so it's about a guy who gets in an accident and wakes up in a world that doesn't remember the Beatles. So he decides to record and play Beatles songs and gets really successful. My question is. I've seen the movie too, by the way, James. I've actually seen it twice. I, I saw it on the plane and then I watched it again, you know, during a night of loneliness in a hotel room. Um, <laughs> my question is, if you woke up in a world where no one knew the songs of Neil Diamond, now, you know, I think you can still join in, you can join in on this, Josh, but, I, but just the right. Neil Diamond thing is prob I'm guessing is in reference to the fact that I covered a Neil Diamond song a while back. Would you record right. any of his songs and pass them off as your own? And if so, which song? So in the world of yesterday, where you wake up one day and you realize that nobody's heard of Neil Diamond, right? Neil Diamond has never existed in the world. What would you do? Would you record any of his songs and pass them off as your own, as the uh, protagonist? But, did? but you, you, know, you know about him. Yes. Yeah. So you wake up. You, right. you're, nothing's changed for you, but the rest of the world... Never heard of Neil Diamond. You say to Neil Diamond, they're like, who's that? Um, sure, yeah, why not? So, of course. You know, I look, obviously, this is a. <laughs> would, would you record any of his songs and pass them off as your own? You know what? I f think I probably fucking would. I would. I think I would. Um, I would just be like, because you know what? If I was in that situation, I would just think, well, maybe it's. M Maybe it's me that's like had like maybe maybe I'm like the one that's kind of like nuts and if Neil and you do, you just you're just hallucinating this well, maybe, alter ego maybe of Neil, Neil Diamond maybe Neil Diamond never did exist and maybe yeah, these songs just, are actually mine and you know I've just had some weird kind of brain tweak um so. <laughs> I would. I would record Solitary Man and I would... Um, I like the way you've like you've diverted the moral quandary <laughs> and turned it into like a, a mental health kind of thing. Like, <laughs> well, you know, maybe I'm, the, maybe I'm crazy and, and, you know, like if I'm crazy, then I want to acknowledge that craziness by playing these songs. I, I would just assume that um, in that situation that, uh, that I was, you know, that the world was fine and I was the problem. But in this case, the problem is a good problem because there's all these songs that no one's ever heard, and maybe I wrote them. Maybe maybe they are my. Maybe songs. you did. Maybe they are my. Which is good. It's like if nobody knows, if he didn't exist and nobody else knows them, then you pretty much did write them because totally. You know, like what is writing a song anyway? We're just kind of like I, I can't tell you how I do it. You, yeah, I'm sure you can't really tell me. You know, just, it comes from somewhere. Who knows? Just, maybe it's Neil, maybe it comes from Neil Diamond. It's your imagine. It's just your imagination, and you know, if your imagination, maybe your imagination just invented this guy named Neil Diamond, and you. I mean, it would be pretty weird, kind of like going, oh wow, like um, that's a pretty, that's a pretty massive uh, hallucination that I've had about this guy named Neil Diamond. But okay, well, turns out nobody's heard Solitary Man. I think the world needs to hear it, and. 
Yeah, I'm gonna- nobody's heard of it. <laughs> nobody's heard of Neil Diamond except for me. When I talk about Neil Diamond, nobody's heard of him. It must be. Mine. He doesn't exist. I've searched him up on the internet. He doesn't yeah. exist. Well, that's, so what, that's what the guy I'm does in the movie. Pretty much Neil Diamond. That's what the guy does in yeah. the movie. He searches up the Beatles and nothing's come out. He searches up Oasis and nothing comes up. <laughs> Oh, sweet. So he's got Oasis as well. He's got Oasis songs. They don't cover that in the movie, but he's got that as well, if he wants. <laughs> I, wonder if that's, I wonder if that's a cheeky reference saying, like, you know, uh, Oasis wouldn't have existed. I think that's... Without... without the, yeah, oh, right. I think I think that's the... I think that's what they're inferring. Yeah, um, right. But look, you know, the movie... Uh, look, if... If the movie ever comes across, uh, you know, on streaming services or whatever, you know, it's worth a look. It's fun. I just think, I think the original idea is really, really fun. I just got disappointed. I think I got a bit disappointed by the movie about halfway through because it, the, the original premise is great, but the way they kind of tie it all up or the way they try to kind of solve this kind of problem, that's the bit that I felt was a little bit kind of lacking. Um, all right. Um, thank, thank you, David Stanton. Is that David? Is it David Stanton, the guy from the movie show? Uh, David no. Stratton. David Stratton. Stratton. Thank name. you, David Stratton. Um, we'll just do one more. Um, what's this one? Uh, Andrew Norman. I thought I'd drop a quick thanks for the insight in your podcast and for dropping over to Adelaide. Okay, I was in Adelaide recently. I did a show at the Fringe Festival, which was really fun. Oh, I, cool. I think I might have talked about that in a previous podcast. Um, uh, one of the things I've loved most about the podcast from the early days is the refreshing way you and guests talk about evolving and leaving behind things that don't matter, but the passion for all good music still burns, hopefully as strong mm. as ever. Plus, I enjoyed getting into the hottest 100s and thousands podcasts through your res- through yours recently. Keep it- okay, so have you ever come across the uh, hottest 100s and thousands podcast, Josh? I haven't, but that is a, such a good name. It's That's very clever. It's definitely worth a listen as, you know, we're of the same vintage. So, you know, what they do basically is, um, I'm giving a big plug here to the Hottest 100s, Thousands podcast, but they go every episode, they go back to 1993 or whenever the first one was, and they basically go through every single song. So each episode wow. covers five songs. They're up to about the year 2000. So... Um, so it's a really great way to kind of listen back to the all those songs from the 90s that people of our age, Josh, and I'm sure lots of people listening, grew up on. But it's really interesting listening to these songs being uh, looked at and critiqued through the lens of uh, guys that were like tiny little kids when all of that was happening, right? They're all oh, about wow. they're all about yeah, yeah. thirty or whatever. So they're all in primary school when this stuff was happening. So a lot of the songs they remember and they know, but a lot of the songs they've just never heard of as well. Um, so I find that sort of intergenerational thing really interesting. Um, but also too is now they're up to the up to two thousand. They're getting closer and closer, Josh, to your first appearance in. Oh, so yeah. would that have been um, middle of the hill in two thousand and five? Yeah, two thousand and five. Correct. Yes. yes. So uh, yeah, so you still got a little bit there. I think they're at two thousand, a little bit to wait, but um, but soon they will be. It's quite a bizarre experience listening to them because they've covered a bunch of Jebediah songs, and that that was I was really enjoying the podcast, um, <laughs> and then when it got to Jebediah songs, it was like, oh god, do I listen? Um, 
is a very strange. What, are they, what do they say? Were they cool? They, <laughs> were they, nice? they were cool, and I've ended up sort of, you know, having contact with them. I did a podcast recently with David James Young, who's the, the host of the show, and um, sort of, I've become a friend of their show. So now I feel like that, you know, they're probably they probably feel under pressure now to only say good things. <laughs> <laughs> Gemini songs and you know pop uh, songs will be coming up in a, a bunch of years, but um, but yes, I, I recommend it. It's a good podcast. It's fun. Cool, um, check it out. And they're really smart. You know, smart dude. I was about to call them kids. They're not kids. They're fucking thirty years old. But when you get to when you're forty, <laughs> when you're forty three, basically anyone who's thirty or under is a kid. <laughs> <laughs> oh God! Isn't that isn't that? It's crazy. My my cousins are like twenty eight, and I've they are fifteen years younger than me, and I've always thought of them as you know kids, yeah. total kids. Yeah. And now they're all like you know they're twenty eight. I mean that's not a kid. Like no. I was married. I had like my first home by the, that time. It's, and it's I, not a child. And I guess you know you look back and you think, well, when you were that age, people who were our age would have been looking at us in the same oh. way. Like know, you're a kid, but, true. You're, but yeah, but getting old. But in, in my mind, I'm like, in my mind, I'm 23. That's that's the other, that's the flip side of this all. <laughs> yeah, I mean, look, but that is an interesting point. Somebody was talking about that recently. I think I was watching or reading something, somebody who's in their 70s, and they were saying how like, you know, even though you're in your 70s, you're still, you still feel like the same person that you were when you were like, in your twenties, you still yeah, of course. you're still the same person. Like the body has changed a lot, um, but inside you're kind of like and, and it's yeah, it's a funny thing because when you're a kid and you look at your parents, you know, you you kind of have a sort of sense if you know if you're fortunate enough to have <laughs> um, be in a in a in a good safe environment, you you're lucky enough to kind of look at your parents and go, oh, they've got it all kind of sorted out um yeah but yeah it doesn't take long before you get old enough to realize like uh nobody's got it sorted out no everybody is just like making shit up as they go along oh, i remember vividly when i was about 16 my I, my parents were going through something um you know this was the 90s when interest rates were at 18 percent and all that yeah um, there was some stressful situation that they were going through and I remember just looking at them and going like, oh, okay, right. These are just two people trying to get by in the world. These are just mm. two two normal people. They're not gods. They're not like, you know, impervious to stress and they don't know everything. They're just two people trying to navigate their way through the world. And I, and I just remember being, going like in one kind of in one way going like, oh, that's a, a good thing to know. And then on the other hand going like, if they don't know what's going on, <laughs> what am I doing? <laughs> uh. All right, mate. Well, thank you so much for uh, joining me once again for this. This is our seventh COVID thing. You know, I, I, I look forward to you know maybe only maybe just doing one more of these later in the year, and it can be our wrap up. It can be like a. All right. Yes. That's COVID done. Wasn't that a time? Um, Wouldn't that be amazing? Yes. That would be great. Well, I think it's I think it's on the horizon. Um, you know, touch wood, of course. Um, but uh, but yeah, look, it's it's. I think I should listen back to the first one of these that we did and 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 sort of compare. Um, but obviously, things are so much better now than they were, um, and there does seem to seem to be a, a feeling now that you 
for people like us anyway in our industry that we can make some kind of solid plans and have some pretty solid confidence that um, we can make it happen. Yeah, for sure, man. All right. All right. Thank you. Take it easy till next time. See you, man. Right. Bye. See you, dude.